0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Page.
1: What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavides, UFC flyweight.
0: Hi, this is
2: Greg Jackson, and you're listening to it's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun.
1: Get it?
0: Like MMA, but amazing. Amazing radio.
1: Welcome to It's M-Amazing Radio. I am your host, your reigning, defending, two-time It's M-Amazing champion of the world, Dr. Law. With me as always, my fellow two-time champion, DJ Mark. What's up? Also joining me this week, the king of the bridesmaids, two-time runner-up, Lavender Gooms.
0: Why are you bringing up bullshit, man? Yo, you won that championship oh, okay. all last year, man. That was a Come year on. ago. Okay,
1: I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. We, this is our second time recording his intro. First time I called Mike a loser, he brought up that he's a two-time runner-up. This time I bring up that he's a runner-up, he don't like us even talking about, you know. Well, I figured, I, I realized that the first
0: time we, we, we did this before the technical difficulties caused us to start this again. I was being too nice, you guys, being too deferential, all right? I'm 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 going to war this year, all right? That shit is going to be right. mine by at least five wins.
1: All right. Mike's going to watch the fights this year, folks. You hear that? He's going to watch the fights, <laughs> do some research. Mike's going to have to stop taking that sleepy time tea and make it to the end of fight cards. Oh,
2: my God. I mean, he doesn't have to Yo. watch the fights to still pick them accurately. He can pick them and not watch um, them actually being awake to watch some of these guys
0: fight will probably help with those you know we should we should honestly
1: just have chalk like like the betting line favorite and keep track of that and just see if we're better than that this year let's do that let's just keep track of the betting line favorites and just so we know for better than you know just following the sports books
0: that could be Um, i feel feel like i should get some extra wins though just for like those main events when i do stay up man because it's hard <laughs> staying up past like 11 30 i just want yeah, to say no we are big
1: advocates on this podcast of the ufc going back to that 6 p.m 9 p.m pay-per-view start time they did for like a year i'm big fan of that I, w- I honestly if they want to start the pay-per-view at 5 p.m pacific time i'm okay with it too all right that'd be great um folks want to welcome you to the 2021 it's an amazing year-end awards Going to hound out some awards. Going to talk about this year in MMA. Talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. Going to make some predictions for 2022. Going to make a prediction on who we, which champion we think won't have the belt this time this year. Not counting Miss uh, Juliana Pena because... No offense to her, but she's a very big underdog in and in a rematch with Amanda Nunes and a fight with Valentina Shevchenko doesn't seem fair. So... You know, it would have been
2: fun if... Mike won this year and then we could call this award the Mike Award because it'll be people that won it and didn't retain it. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> i know but we can't. We can't do
1: that, Mike. We can't make fun of you in that capacity because you haven't got the You know, I was listening to the, the co-main event podcast earlier today um, <laughs> where they were talking about Alexander Gustafson and they're like, how do you look at his career? But for running to, into two of the greats, he could have been champion. And I'm like, Man, Mike is Alexander Gustafson. Me and Mark are Jones in DC. That's what's going on over here. We can't let Mike become champion. It just we won't let it happen.
0: This is going to be my year. Just watch. <laughs> that's going to be my bold. That's going to be my bold prediction for this year. Yeah, You're going to you win it. You're going to win easily.
1: Um, I'm excited. <coughs> pardon me. Um, so yeah, we're going to do uh, some awards. We're going to give out shortly. First, uh, a little bit of news. Nothing's really going on in MMA except for the promoter of the UFC, the the president of the UFC, getting embarrassed regularly by twenty four year old YouTuber, um, in an impressive fashion. Um, talking about Jake Paul, um, who those are people not following the story. It sounds like Jake is trying to get a flight with Jorge uh, fight with Jorge Masvidal, and Jorge Masvidal is like, and UFC's not gonna let me fight you if it's not for a bigger amount of money. Okay. And then Jake said, "Hey, I want to, you know, I want, I want to fight, I want to fight Horie Mosfidal." And then Dana White said, and he also said Dana White's on cocaine. And then Dana White said, "You're on steroids." And then Jake Paul said, "I will retire from boxing if and fight and sign to fight Mosfidal in a one fight deal, if you give all UFC fighters health care, raise the minimum." Uh, rate of pay for UFC fighter to 50,000 per fight and there was a third one and does anybody know what off the top of their head or I'm gonna pull it up real was, quickly.
2: Was that the drug test? Long-term
1: health care. it said long-term
2: health it was the fifty percent. Yeah, there was one other fifty oh, percent of the revenue. Fifty percent of the revenue. Oh, oh that was a Fifty
1: percent. Yeah. Revenue which the UFC, which I mean, kind
2: of goes hand in hand if he's paying everyone fifty.
1: Well, 50 right now, Gs for the, the, the amount of fights, the split, the revenue split with the NFL players and NFL pl- and MA, MLB players and NBA players are around fifty percent, you know, give or take. UFC fighters are hanging out between sixteen and twenty percent um, of the revenue split, which it's a sizable. Do you difference. think if
2: if they increase the minimum from twelve to fifty? They'd probably hit fifty percent. No, no, because I mean, think about all the Garbo that's cards they put on the White that's fight series. I don't know; it
1: depends. You might be. It'll get them closer. I wonder how many guys are getting twelve and twelve. <laughs> I just, you know, I just, I just shocking. wonder. I, I, honestly, I wonder how many fights we get on the fight cards if that happens. Uh, that might be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. In Look, we're not trying to get anybody to lose their job, but. Come on now.
0: They um, if they increase if they increase it a fifty and fifty, you're gonna see people cut from the UFC like you've been seeing people cut from WWE the last two years. It is just gonna be yeah. a bloodbath.
1: Um Dana White responded. He made this is where he made a mistake. He made a video. He made a video where he's went full dad mode, too close to his camera, talking about <laughs> how um you're on steroids. Didn't address anything the kid said. And then a, a said that a call a tried to give his manager, Jake Paul's manager um whose name I forgot, which is not fair, quite well, frankly. that doesn't matter, but No, did, it does matter. Tried I'm, to, get, I'm getting I'm getting to,
0: to do his shit on him. That's yeah. what he tried to do.
1: Um he tried to get a, he tried to shut on Jake Paul's manager um who is for is famously um the former CFO of the UFC, Nakisa Bedarian, um not an accountant, the CFO, yes. the guy who helped get them a four billion dollar sale to endeavor that's who this person is okay
0: dana white tried to make him out as if he was the dude from office space like trying to just get the tps report. he tried like, to go full bully, bully or he's just like supporter. a
1: fucking accountant i'm like you just going full 80s bully on him okay sure and then he said so then he ignored everything the kid said and said that he was on steroids and, he's, and then the kid came back and made his own video Which was really a work of art, quite frankly, where he kept playing the part where Jaina Wright said something about uh, doing cocaine over and over and photoshopped a white line going into his nose, which that was a mistake. Um, And then he said, I agreed to everything you wanted me to do, Dana, and you didn't address anything I said. And honestly, the most telling part of what the kid said was the difference between me and all these other people you deal with in your life is that I don't need you. I don't need you. You're all these other fighters. They need you. These managers can't say anything because they need you. I don't need you, okay? I'm beating up all your champions. Quite frankly, the UFC's marketing for... He's pretty much using the UFC for marketing and printing money doing it. And Dana White's not going to do any of those things that uh, the kid's asking him to do, obviously. This endeavor is... This whole whole, uh, operation's extremely profitable for everybody involved. They're not trying to rock the boat. I think he made a fucking... Stupid ass mistake. Responded to the kid, Mark. Because I don't think I think. Uh, by the way, the part where he made fun of Masvidal for getting fewer likes than his own mom than That's Jake's great. mom was hilarious on Instagram. That was hilarious. I don't think you need to draw attention to the fact of what you're doing here. I know this Dana White thinks this is still 2008, and he was like the young promoter, and he was different than like Bob Arum and all the other sports commissioners, and he told it like it is. But this man's saying the same shit he's been saying for 15 years, right? Like. This was a this was a stupid move in every regard, in my opinion, at least. What do you think?
2: Yeah, no, he's jumping into a realm where, like, regardless of what you think of Jake Paul, it's probably his strongest realm is like making troll videos. Is literally how this guy has made his millions. So, like, getting in that kind of argument with him is like one of us trying to to fist fight, you know, a prize fighter. It's just like why you're you're jumping into their lions cage so you know good luck to you um and it's easy to take pot shots at dana because the the issues with the ufc and the pay is not you know it's not like it's easy to do it when you
1: have the truth on your side isn't it yeah when you have all these things you can
2: point at and be like look at all these things you don't do well that you should fix and he calls him out on it and his only recourse was to say like you do steroids which is like it's like it's kind of low hanging. Oh, he fruit. did say he <laughs> did
1: say I'll take any steroid test you want as long as long as I can steroid test your entire roster. I bet you won't let me do that.
2: Which I mean, technically, they're supposed to be. Yo, right? when was the last U- time
1: somebody got popped by USADA?
2: It's been a long time. Maybe everyone's <laughs> yeah, that's it up. That's yeah. true. but I mean, it, it
1: was it, it's
2: silliness. I think mean, yeah, I think the smart thing would do is ignore them. Like who? It doesn't really there's no reason to get into discourse with this guy. Cause you're not seriously considering putting, which I, I mean, I, I think what's interesting in all this is this turn that Jake has made from, he just wants to box. He just wants to box these guys. He's not, he wasn't, I mean, listen, six months ago, people asked him like, Oh, you want to do MMA? And he's like, eh, not, not really. I love boxing and I want to do that. And it's interesting now to see him be like, Oh yeah, I'll retire from boxing and do a MMA fight with Jorge. If you do X, Y, and Z. And obviously I mean, the obvious caveat there is that like he knows Dana's not gonna do these things. It's it's completely against his interest to even, you know, well, let's say Jake Paul in Mosvidal, this happens and he does his big cut. Like he's not going to make the money on that card that he'll have to put in to, you know, do all these requests that he has. So it's it's a non-starter. So having him respond was just yeah, it was foolishness on his part. There's, you know, Jake Paul is not interested in, in fighting in the UFC. If anything, you know, if he, if he wanted to do MMA, it's just like you're a Showtime. You can do your – you can run your own little campy event or whatever. And, and you know, why why cut in the UFC at all? Um, so, I mean, I, mean, yeah, I think he, all of it was he, just He's on Showtime. There's already an MMA promotion on wait, Showtime. Wait, wait, could you imagine Jake Paul and Bellator? It just it <laughs> seems – it does – the, 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 the you know, stars does not Fedor versus there.
1: Jake Paul? Oh
2: my God! Oh, I hilarious. mean, no, you don't do that. But you put Fader on the card, and now you got now you got something to sell. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly.
1: Uh, it just yeah. it seems like yeah, he made a mistake. I know. I I honestly do think Dana White's role at this point, Mike, is to take bullets for the operation as a whole. I don't think Dana. I don't think they keep Dana White around and give him. I think it's five percent of revenue is his deal or something like that or some shit like some That's absurd so number like that. I don't think they keep Dana White around and pay him $500 million a year or whatever the hell it is. Um, I don't know what it is. $50 million a year. What was their revenue last year? A billion dollars? So $50 million. Does that sound right? Yeah, 5% of a billion? Yep. Okay. I don't think they keep him around and let him look like the fucking clown shoes that he does all the time. If it isn't on purpose, Endeavor's a serious organization, you know? and like this is a money making operation for them they think Dana White making it some sort of weird personal thing with some kid probably they view as you know a positive but i don't think it's good to draw attention to how to this stuff i don't think it's good for him i don't I think he, mike marks right he should have he should've kept his fucking mouth shut right yeah
0: he he probably should have i think just for the sole reason that i mean he got embarrassed um In the words of the illustrious uh, Sean Carter, he brought a knife to a gunfight, and his chest is in the line of fire with that thin-ass vest, and Jake Paul got to shooting. But I think the only reason this is a bad look is because it just embarrassed him. This isn't going to affect him in any which way. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things... um, Jake Paul is bringing a little attention to it, but no one's really going to give a shit besides just this little bit It's not like there's going to be some ground-solve activist activity to get fighters more pay They're not going to unionize. I'm sorry for being pessimistic, but this is going to change absolutely nothing except Get Jake paul more views on whatever whoever he
1: boxes next
0: You're muted Bob
1: Sorry, I was I, I just, yeah. If I'm if I'm Dana White, I ignore this kid. But it's kind of hard to. He's essentially just beating up UFC fighters. Give him another one to oh, beat he's up. Been up
2: huh? he, beat
1: he beat up two. two. He beat up two. He beat up one. He beat, he beat up beat the same th- one twice. And it's and it's a UFC fighter Day, Dana White doesn't even like. Doesn't matter. Does, there's two of them he didn't like. Doesn't matter. Tyron Woodley was champion two years ago. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I mean, know, I mean, I like honestly, I went from being annoyed by this kid to just being like, I'm like, the number of MMA journalists who are just like, MMA people on Twitter I saw were just like, fuck, do I have to like this kid now? We don't have to like the kid. Um, I don't find him a particularly charming individual, Um, but fuck, man, I was reading Jake Shields today talk about how Joe Rogan's one of the most important people uh, on the planet. So if, you know... I'm. I'm not saying this kid's any worse than anybody else in MMA. And if he's gonna just um, draw, if he's gonna bring a shine a light on the fact that the UFC's fucking over their fighters six different ways, we're gonna talk about Francis Iganu in a minute. I want to bring that up, where Francis Ngannou appears to be stuck in a battle where his manager's from CAA, which is you know the chief rival of Endeavor, you know Ende- Endeavor Talent Management. I, the UFC holds a very strong position over their fighters. Jake Paul said it well. He's like, I don't need you. I said, And he said, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep talking like this. So why wouldn't he? And Dana White can make up weird numbers about his pay-per-view buys, which are obviously false. Kid sold another 400,000 pay-per-views against the, in the rematch, it sounds like. Dana White tried to put out some number that he sold 65K. He didn't. It's close to 400K, which... is very solid for a rematch. Very solid well. for a rematch where the first fight wasn't good and you were selling a totally different fight you know, a week and a half before, two weeks before, so. I don't know, I think this kid's good for this whole thing. I'm starting to come on board with this, like, he's good to have around. Because if nothing else, it bring, it draws attention, anything that draws attention to the fighters getting fucked. And you know what, if the fighters aren't going to do it, have somebody else do it. God knows they didn't do anything about it, so. um, I want to talk about Francis Ngannou real quick. Francis Ngannou and the UFC aren't on the same page, Francis Ngannou's manager says that he hasn't heard from the UFC since June. Uh, Francis has got one fight left on his UFC deal. And apparently, champion's clauses, not that they don't exist, is that around the time the UFC got sued in this class action, they had to change their contracts where they didn't continue forever. So contracts do come to an end. So uh, Francis is done, I think in six months, is what it sounds like. Either way, so do we really think, Mike, that the UFC is going to let their extremely marketable heavyweight champion, who has held this belt now for eight months and the UFC's made no effort to promote him, if he wins this fight in two weeks against Cyril Ghosn, are they really going to have, Fran- is Francis Gondo really going to walk away?
0: Honestly, it seems like that's a possibility. Um, it doesn't seem like they're any closer to getting a contract extension. Um, Dana White has said nothing but horrible things about Francis's management. I saw a video, I think from the last week, where I don't know if he was trying to drive a wedge between Francis and his management, or if he made this up, I don't know. But he said that, oh, well, I got to talk to Francis by himself and he's been getting bad advice by from some really stupid people and he didn't realize what was really going on and what was being told. I think that's the gist of uh, what Dana White said. So I didn't even know that his manager from CAA, um, that could pose some issues and it seems like it has. Bob, you're muted. Yeah,
1: that's the Hollywood Civil War right there, man. Um, I sent you guys both a uh, a pie chart. If you look at the, our WhatsApp group chat right now. And um, it's essentially what I want to point out is that the UFC's pay-per-view sales are a very small percentage of how they're paying Jesus. for stuff, of how they're making money these days.
0: It's the same amount as their Fight Pass subscriptions.
1: This is for 2021. Yeah. Who, who the fuck's paying? I know we are. Who the fuck else is paying for Fight Pass?
0: Uh, probably people overseas um, outside of the United yeah, States. Yeah, that's
1: it. I mean, the UFC just has to produce content for ESPN+. You see that $447 million from core content to rights domestic. That's ESPN+, man. That's it. So, I don't know. A projected $930 million. Anybody think the fighters made half that? <laughs> well, they say that?
0: they make about 15 to 18 <laughs> percent yeah huh?
1: there we go they gave him the pay-per-view revenue <laughs> that was it I don't know Marcus I mean I just the UFC will protect their business model it feels like Mark regardless of the cost at times it feels like because like Francis and seems like a superstar or am I missing something here I mean, yeah, that's that. That's not surprising too. I mean, this,
2: Dana said it himself when they first started running the company, like, the most important aspect of this company is the three letters, right? It's the brand. It is not any... He's never wanted it to be any individual fighter, and, you know, there's definitely been times where he will actually promote and hype and, you know, try to get people interested in a particular fighter because it's going to benefit him in the short run, but, you know, as soon as those tables turn and that person's like, oh, I want to get a bunch of money. He's pretty quick to kind of dispose of them. You know, I mean, you can look at your Chuck Liddell's or Tito Ortiz's, guys like that. You know, he's, you know, very much when they're on the same page making money, once they become champion or what have you and they want more money, quickly becomes like, oh, this guy's a bum or whatever. And then you once know, the
1: headache is worth more than the money they can make off of you, they're done with
2: you. Exactly. Or... Yeah. And I mean, that's happening to Francis and it's not, it's not surprising, you know, if you and it was funny, I was just watching, I don't it was some random YouTube video. It was the press conference before the first Stipe fight. Dana's is talking about Francis hits the hardest that anyone's ever hit. His metric was like the the same as a like a Ford Focus going full speed. It's the same as getting hit with a sledgehammer like overhead and Stipe's is just like rolling his eyes like cool cool dude and then he wins the fight. He grabs the belt from Dana. He's like, fuck you, dude. My coach is gonna put it on me. You don't believe in me. You know, and he's Dana's always been quick to hype up the next big thing, get people interested. But once, you know, like you said, Bob, like once the numbers don't work in his favor or that fighter starts making noise about wanting to earn more or hit a certain point in his paycheck, then it all becomes, oh, you know, we don't want to do business with this guy. Negotiation stop. We don't want to make the fights that the fans and the fight. I mean, John Jones and Francis basically on Twitter agreed to fight each other. They're like, "Yes, this would be a great fight. The fans want it. We will make a bunch of money off of this. Let's do it." We both agree we want to do this. And then Dana's like, "No, nah, I don't want to... I'm not paying you guys what you guys think you deserve for this fight. We'll figure out someone else for you to fight." And now you know we're going to tra- get. They traded Mighty in.
1: Mouse to a different continent because he wanted to get paid more. To fight in a whole new weight class. They yeah, traded him making, to a whole new continent. And he wasn't
2: making much. He, he wasn't, wasn't asking for he had, the millions and millions of these other He wanted one guys. million. He wanted yeah. one. <laughs> and I mean, I think when you... It's interesting when we talk about other sports. Yeah, Dana has, you know, tried to mold the UFC into being something more than it was when they first got it. They tried to, like, legitimize this as a actual sport. These guys wear uniforms. And... They try to play these games, but the thing they don't do, and what's talking, and you guys know this way better than I do, like a huge aspect of major sports is like what athletes get paid. Yep. How much are these guys making? Oh, this guy signed a contract for $10 million over three years or what? I mean, the NFL, the NBA is all about that stuff about contracts, how much these guys are making. Like, there's a whole subculture in the sports realm that is all about just financially what these guys are making. Cause that's how people, you know. People, what? Today,
1: you know, me and Stefan were talking about a running back, uh, Derrick Henry. And how like, oh, we're like, um you know, they're going to run him into the ground. And I'm like, well, has he been paid before and yet? And I'm looking up on – I'm very easily fine. I'm like, okay, he's got a two-year, $55 million deal. Okay, at least he got paid. Like that's a whole – that's a big thing. You're right. And it's just – they don't – this is not the – the UFC is not other sports. The UFC is uh, – like, they, they run the company no. like WWE. Yes. Good or bad, that's how they run the company. The most important letters in that company are those three letters, okay? That is it. The brand is the most important. And it's a smart one. Look, the NFL will always say the shield is the most important and stuff. and But the brand is the most important thing because when the fighters come and go, those three letters will be there forever. And they protect the brand. And this is how they view they protect the brand. But I was, um, I think it was Chad Dundas who was listening today said, the UFC is no longer in the let's make these good fights business. If they happen to do that, cool. They are in the let's produce content business. Let's produce hours of content, okay? Let's produce content. Let's fill the hours in ESPN+. So fights are good. Fights are bad. You know what? They have enough good fighters for every one of these pay-per-views to be loaded. Because the rest of these cards are dog shit. I'm sorry. They are. Yeah. Well, then, And then
2: one of these cards is... Act- I mean, because look, because like... When we talk about them being dog shit, it's name value. It's yeah. like there's no one on these cards that's interesting. And then you can have a card that, you know, we all don't care about. <clears throat> it turns out to be a banger. It happens, you yeah. know, quite often because these are high-level athletes, you know, putting everything on the yeah, line. Yeah, we don't mean to... to disrespect
1: the fighters. I apologize. No, no, no. But, no, but yeah. that's what I'm
2: saying. And then, but then Dana can easily say, like, oh, look, at you can't, you can't listen to the, the critics and the journalists. They said this card was not worth your time, and it turned out to be fantastic. So who cares if we put out shit that no one cares about, you know, three – three-fourths of, of every month. You know, three-fourths of the year. It's stuff that no one really watched. Because like you said, they're just fulfilling a contract where they make the most amount of money. And it doesn't matter if the cards are good or how many... I mean, it probably matters to some extent like how, many, how much people watch it. But I think there's enough of a base there at this point that it's like they're going to there's hit the hardcore those marks audience that they need to. I
1: said it before. The, the MMA hardcore audience gets abused by the UFC. Abuse might be a strong word. We're very much taken advantage of. But you know what, man? I think you said it yourself, Marcus, where it took a while for you to be like, I don't need to watch every fight. I got one yeah. life to fucking live, and I can't spend a Saturday watching six hours of some shit that wouldn't, that, that like, the only thing separating it from a, a LFC card is the main event. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's it. I just don't. Um. Anyway. let awards. Let's, let's talk some about some stuff good fo- stuff. Yeah. Um... Anyway, um, okay, let's just get out here first. Let's start with the fun one, knockout of the year. couple mm-hmm. ones worth mentioning, Kamara Usman knocking Jorge Masvidal into next Tuesday without a straight right. Chris Barnett hitting that wheel kick on, I want to say it was Vellante, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Followed by the somersault celebration. Um, Rose Namajunas head-kicking Wei, uh, Zhang Weili right in the fucking dome, 90 mm-hmm. seconds into that fight, taking the title back. Um, Corey's hand kneeing Frankie Edgar and feeling sad about it afterwards. Iri um, Prochaska with a sweet spinning elbow on Dominic Reyes, pretty much securing himself as the next contender for that 205-pound uh, title. And Ignacio Bahamondes with a spinning wheel kick on Roosevelt Robert. A um, lot of good nominees this year. I have a hard time just leading it off. It came down to the top two for me. Um, The top first two I mentioned, Usman's knockout and Barnett's knockout. I feel if I give it to Barnett, it's just me personally liking a fat guy. And like, I'm really enjoying the whole Barnett experience at that point. Kamara Usman hit a man harder with a right hand than I think I've ever seen before in my life. Like, he hit him so hard. All the sweat came off of him. And then he was following through such that he kind of checked him. Like he kind of tackled him at the same time. It was fucking incredible. I got Usman and uh, knocking out Masvidal. Mike,
0: yeah, um, I have that too. Um, I've got Usman's right hand, uh, right hand against Mas- Masvidal. Look, what did it for me was Masvidal did not need to take a shower after that right, that right cross, right straight from from Usman because all of the sweat, just literally all of it was just. Just wiped off of Masvidal's face with that one punch. It was amazing to observe.
1: Marcus, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm actually in agreement with you guys. I, I think another one that I I was leaning towards too, because for me it was those top two, and I'm going with uh, Usman because yeah, it was the most spectacular. I mean, it's something that's going to be on highlight reels forever, and and a lot of it has to do with the ragdoll effect after. And like you said, Bobby, the way. He kind of ran into the shoulder and how just how he fell. It was just it was beautiful. You don't, I have not seen a knockout quite like that before. And we've seen hundreds of knockouts with right straights before. You know, look at Dan Henderson and Bisbing. That's, you know, he has a ton of great ones. There's lots of great ones, but none of them quite. Landed and had that kind of impact,
1: it, you know, it didn't hurt Marcus that our ge- our overall general dislike of Jorge Masvidal grew throughout the entire year it, And it made it, made it coincide, it feel you know, yeah, yeah definitely <laughs>
2: coincide. I mean, and, and like you uh, The Barnett fight Really hits close to home because this was a guy that I had my eye on like three four years ago And I was like man, it would be really cool if he got an opportunity in the UFC just to because he's such an interesting character He's such a fun guy to watch and it was so disappointing to see him fight um Ben Rothwell and just not be able to put on the type of performance that we knew he had. and And some of that is just like, you know his skill level is not that of like the top echelon. Um, but when he fought uh Galante and was able to not just compete at his at his own level, but but to end the fight in such a spectacular fashion and to get that spotlight on him was really one of those things that it reminded me of like when me and Steph saw Korean Zombie in the WC the first time. I was like, man, I know this. like This guy's fucking good. Like We're in for a potential treat here and to have it actually come to fruition. because so, so many times we see prospects or something outside of the UFC and they come to the UFC and they can't really perform. That's definitely what we saw with Barnett's first fight. But to have him have at least this one moment was really special. Um, and the other one I really wanted to give some notice to was the, the Rose knockout. Because not only was it spectacular. It happened right in the beginning of the of the first round. You know, Wei Ling was a champion that I thought Rose was really going to struggle with. I thought this was going to be an extremely difficult fight for her. This was going to be like her fights with Joanna. It was going to go five rounds, much like the second fight did. It was going to be very tough um, for her to implement some of her strong grappling regimen and to, you know, be able to kind of dictate the fight that way and to have her just land the first shot she threw in such fashion. That one really left a mark on me. But at the end of the day, The Usman knockout was just spectacular, Um, so i got to give my nod there. But yeah, this year we had a lot of good knockouts. Yeah, you know what, man?
1: I'm still amazed we've been doing this, watching this many years, that there's still every year there's new ways for people to get knocked out. Not even new ways, just the – I guess, you know, they are – I mean, every knockout is a little different, but like – the spinning I, one was still great react. with
2: Reyes too. That was That was spectacular. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah,
1: he I mean and it was even the spinning elbow. He
2: he threw a nice elbow before that that kind of got him into position to throw that spinning elbow. It was just a beautiful thing. Um and then the neon Edgar's just. kind of You know what was another
1: good one was that front kick that um Marlon Vera landed on Edgar too where the the mm. picture of Edgar's entire face looked like a fucking cartoon. It was Frankie took some rough ones this year, folks. Yeah. yeah. Um submission of the year. Uh, Juliana Peña uh, choking out Amanda Nunez. The more I look at this, the more I'm just like, man, I'm not sure. I mean, that that was just, it was a submission, but I guess really the moment is what we're talking about there, being able to submit the greatest female fighter ever, um, even though she probably wasn't there at that point mentally. Um, Amanda Nunez, triangle arm barring Megan Anderson, just a complete destruction. These next two are, I think, the ones that really, for me, they stood out. Um, Munez, what was Muniz's first name? God damn it. Um, Muniz arm barring Jacare. And not just arm barring Jacare. Um Fucking snapping his arm. Um, last person to do that, um, Robert Drysdale, right? Was that No, was it Robert Drysdale? No, it was it was Andre Muniz. But what was the guy that won at Abu Dhabi where uh, Jacare got his arm bar broken and tucked it into his gi? That might have been a Gracie, actually. But, yeah, I uh, don't know. Andre Muniz tapped out fucking Jacare which you fucking, that is, that is an accomplishment, folks. Um, another one like that, though, is um, Anthony the Great Hernandez um, guillotine choking Hodolfo Vieira, which I don't think gets as much publicity as the Jacare one, but if you want to look up Jadolfo Vieira's uh, credentials in jiu-jitsu, he's got about 20 world championships. Um, so him getting uh, choked out by Anthony Hernandez, who is a purple belt? It's fucking ridiculous. So, um for me fucking he snapped he, he snapped Jacare's arm, man. That's that's my submission of the year. Mark, what do you got?
2: Yeah, unlike knockout, this one didn't really have a lot of like big standouts for me. Mostly cuz I don't even remember that you last what one.
1: You know, it was a good year, the year where two guys got fucking uh, they're, uh got their got knee barred in the same card or whatever yeah, like that, the banana oh, split. Oh
2: the banana split, yeah. That was woo! some yeah, some yeah, and this one like I was trying to think like there's got to be something else that really kind of stood out. So I'll, I'll go with the Jockery one just because yeah, I mean Jockery had for so long always been feared as like the most technical guy on the ground for him to lose by armbar was quite quite surprising. But yeah, there wasn't I was trying to think like did anything really stand out that like really shocked me or a weird I mean, thing I mean I, I thought really Dustin getting choked
1: out on uh, the standing rear naked with uh, was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I need something we've seen, crazier. We've seen, we've seen
1: Charles do it so many times, too. <laughs> yeah,
2: I need something kooky. Uh,
1: Mike, clean sweep?
0: Clean sweep. Uh, Munez, before that fight, was talking shit about how he could grapple with Jacare and how he was a better grappler. And he not only proved it by cementing him, he snapped his fucking arm.
1: <sighs> anyway. Um, all right, let's go to fight of the year. Okay. Um, fight of the year. I think this one's going to be a clean sweep, personally, but we'll see. We we talked about <laughs> renaming the award after this man one year, but here are the nominees: uh, Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler for the on for the vacant UFC lightweight championship. Um, Michael Chandler took that first round, almost finished Oliveira. Look like second round, Chandler got hit with a nice left, a short left hook, got in trouble. He finished him with the was it a, by strikes? He finished him, or did he submit him at the end? That's right. TKO, right? I don't remember. Probably TKO. I for a, for a seven-minute fight, mm. it was absurd. That fight. Um, Reyes-Prochaska, it's the fucking war. Um, ended with that eerie spinning elbow to Dominic Reyes. Um, Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega. Anybody still understand how Brian Ortega didn't tap out Volkanovski there? Because I'm still not clear what happened in there. That was, that was two times in that round he had him in submissions. Don't know how Volkanovsky got out of that. Um, And then finally, Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje had the type of fight you expect when you write those two people's names on a piece of paper. Um, Marcus, fight of the year.
2: Yeah, uh, it was Chandler and Gaethje.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, And and these other
2: ones were were great, too. I mean, Oliveira and... um,
1: Shout out to Chandler being on two of these, by the way. Chandler yeah, getting on. Two, and was I was gonna good.
2: say, Poirier and Oliveira was great. That first round was really good. I think you know the second round when he took him down, it kind of, I think, kind of took it out of this category. Um, I even like, like I think the first Dustin, I'm sorry, the second Dustin McGregor, uh, McGregor fight was. There, there was a lot of good fights, but yeah, the, the Chandler Gaethje one, you know, on paper, we knew it was going to be fight of the year contender, and they fucking delivered, you know, which doesn't always happen. You know, there's been lots of fights where on paper it's like, oh, this is potentially should be really good and it just doesn't work out that way you know we knew there was a good chance this was going to be an awesome fight and it absolutely was um so yeah it was great I, that was easily my favorite fight and the one that sticks out the most I think at the end of the day like yeah the Ortega fight was great and the Reyes fight was great but like I don't remember them as clearly <laughs> as, as Gaeth- the other as Gaethje and Chandler but these are all great uh, yeah
1: now, we're going to talk about Gaethje a little bit later I think with some of our predictions for 2022 he's going to be an angry man Mike who do you got for your uh, fight of the year
0: yeah, the one the one that, when I saw this list and I thought about fights for the year, the one that stuck out the most was the Oliveira Chandler fight. Um, just because I know we've talked about this when the fights happened, was, it was almost a culmination of everything Charles Oliveira has worked for. Uh, where in that, you know, there was a time where we thought that, you know, he was a quitter, didn't have a chin, uh, and he came back in this fight um, after getting rocked pretty well, and it was... It was an amazing fight to watch, so that's my Wow,
1: thought. this is the first one we don't all agree on. I thought that was this one was going to be a clean sweep, but honestly, you know what? Fights aren't, you don't look at a fight in the vacuum. You know what I mean? Like, there are outside factors that make you, that I think impact what you think is, like, I mean, your opinion of a fight, and what's on the line will make a difference, I think, and like, with like Chandler and uh, Gaethje, you know, Mark talked about the anticipation. That was part of it. Like how excited we were! Like when they started throwing, we're like, "All right, here you fucking go!" Like it's like sometimes you'll watch a fight that you don't really care about the two guys, and all of a sudden around into it, you're like, "Oh shit!" Like this is one of those. Chandler Gaethje, Chandler Oliveira, um, both of them uh, big, but I, I got I Gaethje and Chandler. I was just like, "Well, Gaethje's gonna win this shit every year," so yeah, um. Fight card of the year. So we really narrowed it down to three fight cards. So I'm going to try to give you guys the highlights of what happened on these three fight cards. First one, UFC 261. Uh, main evented by Kamara Usman, knocking Jorge Masvidal the fuck out. Um, co-main event, Rose Namajunas knocking out Wei Li. Um Another title fight, Valentina Shevchenko beating up uh, Jessica Andrade in two rounds. Another fight, Uriah Hall winning a fight while throwing zero strikes because Chris Weidman's leg snapped like a twig. And then uh, Anthony Smith uh, beating up Jimmy Crute over five rounds. TKO stoppage. Also had some other good stuff like Randy Brown getting a knockout on the undercard. Brendan Allen getting an ankle lock victory. Um, UFC 268, the next nominee. Usman and Covington 2. Rose Wei Lee 2. Both those fights go into decision. Marlon Vera with the aforementioned front kick to Frankie Edgar's face. Um, Shane Burgos against Billy Quarantillo. Just a hell of a fight. Um, Gagey and Chandler. Two of our fighters of the... Two of our fight of the years right there. Um, also had Bobby Green knocking out Ally and Quinto on under the undercard. And uh, Alex Pereira with a flying knee knockout on uh, Andreas Michalitas. And finally, UFC 269... Olivera Poirier for the title. Pena upsetting Amanda Nunez. Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzanibio bumming me and Mark out a little bit because we thought it was going to be better. Um, Kaikara France knocking Cody Garbrand out. Sean O'Malley knocking out and Paivia. Also had Tai Tuivasa with the Shui and uh, over Augusto Sakai and a knockout victory for Bruno Silva. Um, this was a tough one, Honestly. But I think um, a lot of times a fight card is judged, for me personally, on how it ended. It really gives the lasting memory. And I'm going with the one that had my knockout of the year. I'm going UFC 261. These are all great cards, though. On, I don't think any of the pay-per-views were bad this year. I had a pretty good time watching all of them. When you put three title two to three title fights on every single one. Even the Conor ones were pretty good. You know? But UFC 261 for me. Mike, what do you have?
0: I'm actually going two sixty one as well. Yo. Any main card that has nothing but KOs and TKOs, dude. Well it's... Okay.
1: One of them was a man getting his leg snapped in half on a
0: check. But... Yep, yeah, but that shit was still gnarly to watch, all right. Okay. Still gnarly and memorable to watch. So for me, two sixty one, hands down.
2: Marcus uh yeah i'm gonna switch it up and i usually agree with mike like i do like having card that has a lot of finishes um and the one i'm picking as kind of the opposite where the main card did not have a lot of finishes that's a 268 um and i even agree with you bar like the Usman covington fight like wasn't like the biggest barn burner but it was extremely close uh the whole way through and we actually kind of saw the opposite of what happened in their first fight where covington kind of slowed down in the the later half we saw Usman kind of slow down the rose fight was really close. Um, and then we have, you know, five of the year winner for for me, you know, Gagey and Chandler. Um, and then I think, and I wasn't even looking at the rest of the cards really. I was focusing mostly on the main card, but I like that Bobby Green win. This was when Chris Barnett made his debut. It's also when Ian Gary kind of uh Ooh, I forgot you know, it's about his his Ian first Gary. fight. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, I think all these cards are really good top to bottom. And usually I'm with Mike. Like I like a card that fucking Let's let's get through this shit. Let's see some finishes. Might try to go this... to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I look like yeah. yeah. I you know, for decision. But like when the fights are really good, Bargos and Billy, that was also another fantastic fight. So I, I think overall this one steals it away. But this in this particular year, these three cards were really good. So I think there's not a loser in the bunch.
1: Um so that was two sixty-eight, you said? Correct. Yep. Two sixty-eight. Okay. Um All right. Female fighter of the year. Our nominees this year, Valentina Shevchenko, who I don't have it in front of me. I think she went two or three and oh, Rose won the title. Rose Namajunas won the title and defended it. And then the one who's going to win, Juliana Pena beat the greatest female fighter of all time and finished her. And that's my answer. Mark.
2: Yeah, it's the same for me too. Um, I think, you know, and I've mentioned it because I often don't pick Valentina. She's, you know, overlooked, I think, in a lot of this. I mean,
1: the pound for pound number she, one right now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and, and, she, and, and you know, on this podcast, because of you, Bob, she gets a lot of love. And we're always pointing out, you know, how dominant she is. And it'll be interesting to see what 2022 brings for her. You know, potentially, if she does fight Pena, that's a fight that she has won in the past. Um, but it's hard to deny the deny the person that has dethroned in my eyes, without question, the greatest women's fighter of all time. Um, And I think sometimes it does get jaded or people don't quite, you know, agree with my stance of like, just because you know, Amanda lost this fight, it does not just, you know, for me, diminish what she was able to accomplish. She's the only MMA fighter, as far as I know, that has had not just two belts and two divisions, but defended both of them. So, um, You know, whoever was going to dethrone her was going to win fighter of the year for me that year for sure. Um, and yeah, I don't, you know, like we said, I don't know if Pena is going to be holding on for this belt very long. If she even, you know, if she fights Nunez again, that's a, another fight that I think she's going to be the odds you know underdog for that one and if she pulls that out that's going to be quite amazing but for this year i have to give her props you know um Man. she pulled off what seemingly was impossible
1: i was just thinking if, if amanda is making even the smite the slightest like i need any time off conversation happening valentina needs to scream for a title shot at uh at juliana because that's the only chance we're going to get in her fighting then the ufc won't book it there's no way the ufc the- blows the rematch
2: Exactly. They don't, yeah. There's no way they don't. They don't. They don't want to deal with a Valentina Nunez three. They right? weren't bad yeah. fights. They just weren't good fights. They, they weren't happen. good. They just didn't move. I mean, it, and honestly, we talked about this weeks ago. Like, if they really fucking marketed this thing, they could easily sell it as like these are the best. Well, you could have sold it as these were the best female fighters of all time. I think you still can, but it's a little muddled now. But yeah, Pena gets it this year for me.
1: Um, Mike, you and me are harsh on Juliana Pena, but I hope it doesn't diminish the fact that I want to. We both agree, absolutely the fighter of the year this year. She beat the Abs, greatest fighter ever.
0: Absolutely. No question about it. A hundred percent. She willed hate, that
1: shit into existence, too. I
0: hate <laughs> Juliana Pena, but you got to give her her begrudging respect. She beat, she beat the female GOAT. Um, and even if she, I think she only fought once this year, right? That was, was that enough. that her only fight?
1: That was enough. And that was enough. <laughs> That's all you needed. Sometimes uh, it's quality over quantity. Clean sweep for, I think I went to, I think I, I think last year, one of us went Wei Lee I think I might've went Valentina. I think it was, I mean, Steph was in there too. Amanda might've gotten one. Clean sweep for Juliana though. Hard to, hard to say otherwise, quite frankly. All right. Male fighter of the year. We got a lot of nominees here, if you ask me. Um, it happened a long time ago. Francis and and won the fucking heavyweight championship of the world against the greatest heavyweight ever this year. Avenged his loss, knocked him the fuck out in two rounds, right? Showed He showed great progress in takedown defense. i did some offensive grappling a little bit for a moment there. That's one. Glover Teixeira went 1-0, and but quite frankly, the fact that this man is UFC light heavyweight champion at his age and what he came back from seven years after losing to Jon Jones, pretty amazing. Brandon Moreno, the assassin baby, 1-0 and this year. We have a lot of 1-0 and fighters on this list, Mike the fuck happened? Um, 1-0 <laughs> w- well, I wins. Feel,
0: I feel even if we know they're not going to win, I feel they still need a little love. You know, I
1: was going to say Izzy, but Izzy has a loss this year. so I think he lost to Jan early this year. That's why I didn't list mm-hmm. Izzy. Um, Did Volkanovski go 1-0 this year? Just out of curiosity?
2: Not sure. Probably. I don't know. The other,
1: if it was the other fight, we didn't think he won that one. Um, Moreno 1-0 became the flyweight champion, possibly post-fight interview of the year with how happy he was. It was great. Um, Cyril Ghosn beat Derek Lewis's ass in his hometown, um, went 3-0, wins over the biggie boy, Alexander Volkov, and beat Derek Lewis's ass. Again, Mike and I tried to lose money on that one. God bless alcohol and weed, that we didn't. Um, <laughs> And uh, Charles Oliveira, 2-0, beat Michael Chandler to win the championship, Um, broke the UFC record for most finishes in that fight. Um, Next fight, beat Dustin Poirier, finished him also. Um, Man's got 18 UFC finishes. Nuts. And then finally, Kamara Usman, uh, 3-0 this year, two knockouts and a decision, knocked out Gilbert Burns. Knocked out Jorge Masvidal, five round tough one with Colby Covington. Mike, who's your pick? I don't think we're, I don't think we're gonna be unanimous this one. What do you got this soon? Uh,
0: it's not probably not. I'm gonna go with Cyril. I'm gonna go with Cyril GaN. For me, it was between Kamar Usman and him. Um, the reason why I ended up picking GaN was that I feel that the level of his competition. They both fought three three times this year. I'm a last year and they they won all three obviously, but I feel that the level of competition that gone had to face Overall was higher. I think at the time when he fought each of the guys that he fought Derek Lewis biggie boy and uh, What's his name? Alexander Alexander, yeah, Uh, I think each of them was at least top five in the UFC heavyweight rankings Whereas with Usman all right, obviously the best fighter that any of them have fought in, of the two of them, it's it's Colby Covington, hand, hands down. Um,
1: I think but, the second best fighter they fought is Gilbert Burns, personally. But that's just me. Well, that's the thing. Like Gilbert Burns... That Masvidal one is not even ranked as the problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, for, for me, Gilbert Burns is good, but then you you kind of look at who Gilbert Burns fought on his way to the title, and it's like... hmm are we about to see a drop-off? I, I know he beat Wonder Boy, but it's like, just are we about to see Gilbert a drop-off Burns? in competition? We're just slandering Gilbert, and Gilbert Burns. Burns
1: here, but okay.
0: <laughs> and then, yeah, like what brings down the, uh, the, the grade point average for, for Usman this year is, yeah, he had a spectacular chef's kiss knockout of, of Masvidal, but then he had that chef's kiss knockout because Mosfadal, isn't that good? Is he just a Latin pro right? Matt Brown. Marcus, who's your fighter of the year?
2: Uh, yeah, when I was looking these over, it really came for me personally. What uh, Cyril Gaon was up there because um, he did have three hard fights at heavyweight, and I, I think stylistically he matched up well with those guys, and he had impressive performances. And I think it, his finish uh, really did impress me because I think leading up to it, I could have easily seen him just coasting because I feel like in some fights he just yeah, cut off for a second a Derek Lewis, oh. right? Yeah, the finish oh. of Derek Lewis really impressed me because I kind of thought he was going to coast through and get a decision, and he easily could have, but he turned on the heat against a really dangerous guy and got the finish there. Uh, but for me, it, it, my <coughs> best male fighter is Charles Oliveira uh, because I think he is in the most talent-rich division and had two really tough fights with really two guys that were extremely dangerous standing up, that are very good on the ground, that are very strong, um, and he finished both of them. And, and I think the finishes really do play a lot for me. And, and I think you, and if I'm being critical, there was moments in both those fights where he was getting tagged, where he didn't look like flawless, but that kind of works into the grit and the story and the kind of narrative that like this guy is tough he's not a flawless fighter you know in you know it'll be interesting to see when we have the discussion of like who's potentially not going to be able to you know retain their belt from this next year but this year he fought two what i thought were you know the best guys at lightweight combining the rest of what he's done in his career at lightweight the the run that he's had the competition that he's faced and now he's really facing these top echelon guys is finishing them. And that's super impressive to me. So I think there, there's a, there's a handful of guys here that I think is really impressive. I think Glover given his age and, and the guy he beat for the, the, the title, um, you know, needs to be, get some props there. And Naganu, you know, did have a really good year. Not a lot of fights, unfortunately. And like we discussed earlier in this show, um, there's a lot of politics there. Um, but Charles
1: really stood out for me this year. So give give him a nod. Um, I'm going Kamar Usman. Um, He's was the champion last year, champion this year, but he looks like a significantly better fighter. He looks so good. His hands look great. Um, tre- we didn't give out a Coach of the Year Award, but it's Trevor Whitman, okay? What Trevor Whitman has done with him, Rose, Justin Gaethje, fucking everybody on that team, great coach. Kamar Usman, when he knocked uh, fucking Gilbert Burns out, um... That was like, uh, there was a moment where it was over. I was like, oh, this is the best fighter in the world. This right now is the best fighter in the world. I think it's Kamaru Usman. And um, I would have liked to have fi- him finished Colby. He kind of got a little tired towards the end of that, I thought. Shout out to Colby being a tough bastard, by the way, because he was getting tuned up. Um, two rounds into that thing, I started thinking we're going home early. Um, Kamaru, though, team, you know what he did to Hori Masvidal? That's what yeah. That's how you fight somebody who isn't on your level. Okay, you show that they're not on your level. Okay, and I think the world of uh, Gilbert of Gilbert Burns. I think Gilbert Burns was an extremely difficult challenge for Kamara Usman. Beyond the fact that um, they know each other and have trained with each other, the man his previous loss was three years earlier to Dan Hooker. Um, Gilbert Burns is awesome. Mike should apologize for that. Just saying, I got, I I got, I got Kamaru Usman though. I think, I think for me, it was the three people we picked. I think it was a three horse race. Um, I recognize that Biggie Boy and uh, Volkov were ranked high, but man, it's heavyweight. I don't know. Like, (laughs) wild shit happens. I was, like Mark, though, thoroughly impressed that he actually finished Derek Lewis, because we all, I think we all thought if he's going to win this thing, he's going to just pick him apart for 25 minutes, and he he stepped on his throat, and I'm always impressed by that. Um, And Oliveira, man, this man's fighting, playing with fire, but I love his fights. So, good, man, this sport, the talent level in this sport right now, guys, just through the roof, you know, through the roof. Watching Conor McGregor lose fights, and I'm just like... Man, maybe he's just not bad. Maybe everybody else just got really good. It's just what happens when you're not active. People got really good. Kamaru Usman, really good. Oliveira, really good. People... Cyril Ghanou, I think, is the favorite. Let me correct... Let me see if I'm wrong here, but... He might be the actual favorite going to this fight with... Francis Ngannou. Um... He is. He's the fucking favorite. Against the Terminator over there. So... Anyway... Um... We're gonna end this with two. We got. We're gonna have two predictions. We're gonna give you guys. All right. One is just some bold prediction you have for 2022. And the other one is, which champion isn't gonna be a champion this time next year. So let's do the champion one first. Mike, do you have an idea of who which champion isn't gonna be a champion this time next year?
0: Mm, it's probably gonna be Glover to share. Um, you, you think Glover? yeah which is funny because that ties into my bold prediction later on but i think that glover is going to be in the vein of 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 robbie lawler where it's going to be these are going to be super entertaining fights but i mean he could lose any of these title matches against uh, these future contenders he's going to have
1: mike's reasoning he just gave is a reason i'm about to give charles (laughs) um i just the way this man fights guys like I love watching Charles Oliveira fights, but every one of these fights, I'm just like, oh, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. And I saw someone tweet that say 2022 is going to be the year Conor McGregor knocks out Charles Oliveira in the first round. And I'm like, well, I don't think that will happen. If I'm Charles Oliveira, I don't stand around too much because that man is very hittable. Um, Yeah, I don't think Charles is champion this time next year, man. I just don't. Like... And maybe I'm wrong, but I want this title reign to go as long as possible because the Robbie Lawler title reign that Mike brought up was maybe my favorite UFC title reign. Every fight felt like we were just you know fucking war. I mean, I feel it took fucking years off their lives, quite frankly, not even years off their career. Um, that's my pick, though. Marcus, who's your pick for not being a champion this time next year? You
2: yeah, know, I was thinking about it, and it was kind of tough. You know, we took Pena off the list, and I tend to always think about the 55 and up. Uh-huh. i started thinking about who's those low weight classes and it dawned on me it's so easy sterling's not keeping that belt oh god damn it (laughs) this is easy pickings right there baby he didn't even win the belt um yeah i was trying to think and i was like man like Uh yeah i was like izzy that's tough he's dominating 85 Usman's, and, 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 and like you said bobby like Charles definitely has holes in his games, but when I thought of like, wait, who's the 35 champ? I was like, oh, Sterling is okay. Check. That's done. That's easy pick right there. Any like, I've never been a huge Sterling fan, and and, and that's, you know, um, part of my, my failing. He has looked really good. You know, I keep forgetting he fucking demolished Sanhagen, who's always been on the top of my list, uh, but... Especially given how he won the belt and the circumstance around it, and how long it's been for him to get back in there, and I'm not saying this dude's faking injuries or anything, but maybe he's just. you well, know. Well, I think mean,
1: coming off of a neck injury does not really bode well for life in general. I feel sure, either. sure, and I'm not, and I'm not even trying to paint the picture like, oh,
2: he's like ducking Peter Yawn or anything like that. But I'm sure he's thinking like, I think you know what, like, the
1: books, isn't
2: it? I got. I'm sure he's thinking, Bobby. Let me cherish this time right now with the belt let me let me soak in every moment because I don't know how long it's going to last is this on not, the, not,
1: it's it's no. on the books, isn't it? I think so. It has
2: to be like who what are we doing i, I, otherwise? I, don't, know, I don't
1: I don't know how far down the line we're looking is it two seventy two yeah i don't
2: I don't know when when it's actually going to happen. It could be a while, but yeah it when when i when it dawned on me he was a champion. I was like, okay, I think that's a pretty I, I feel confident in that honestly, one, so a lot I'm of these scared. belts are in
1: danger. Moreno's not a sure thing like what's sure. his name uh not uh um Pantoja what's his name um not The guy not uh P- Alexander Pantoja he's got a win over uh Brandon and he's yeah. probably next anyway um 135 is very much in danger though honestly how funny would it be if like Aljo just tapped him out like he just did what he does and tapped oh my um, god the a- MMA be, Twitter it'd would break
2: if he if he holds the belt and has more than one fight next year, I'll be very impressed with him. And, and um, hopefully be enough for Volkanovski.
1: For if we book Vol- Holloway versus Volkanovski 3, I don't want to hear a fucking word about us and about uh, Nunez and Shevchenko not have being able to happen. I'm just saying. Um 55 very much in danger. 170, I have no idea who Usman's going to fight.
2: Yeah, that one seems less in danger.
1: Uh, who who's he going to who's even I'm, I'm like who the I'm trying to look at the who's?
2: who's threatening him who even has a style or you know leon the credentials
1: is leon Maybe. really gonna fight leon's, him leon's leon's never looks done like he's not in really yeah didn't you already beat leon i is that, is think that... he
2: did i'm pretty sure he did i think he did early on i think
1: um is he robert Whitaker? i mean robert Whitaker could beat him but if he doesn't no one's taking that title that's it that's your one guy who has a prayer Coach alex
2: was alex priero he's gonna get that kickboxing
1: knockout um, back
2: <laughs> He's just like got to five
1: fights. I'm going to have a hard time picking Glover over Yuri Prochaska, but I'm sure Glover will just like jujitsu him or something.
2: Yeah, he's pulled off the impossible. Francis
1: before. isn't the underdog. Rose's title. I mean, Carla got to win over her. That's next. That
2: was a long time
0: ago, though.
1: Um, No one's beating Valentina. <laughs> and I, I mean, we say it. I mean, someone could beat anybody. Anybody. You, can
0: say, you say that, but we just yeah. saw Amanda yeah. lose.
1: But I'm like, I don't even know who any of these people are that are listed mm-hmm. or have a chance of beating her. Um, my dog's whining. Um, and Juliana's goddamn that title's. Whew. I mean, I'm not sure I picked Juliana over Holly Holm. I'm looking at these rankings. <laughs> so, um, all right. Um, our bold prediction for 2022. Who's got? Who's want to go Who wants to go first?
0: I can go first. Um, my bold prediction is that light heavyweight champion Glover Teixeira. His like 44-year-old ass, or however old he is. I think he might be younger than that. I may be giving him some years. However, I think he will fight three times this year. And I guess the way I put it before uh, before our podcast is that he will defend the title three times this year. And the third title defense, he'll lose. So I'm thinking he'll go 2-1 this year. Which, let's face it, that's going to be a pretty successful end to his career.
1: Man, if Glover gets three title fight checks, I'll be thrilled for him. Three champion checks, woo! You could buy Danbury, Connecticut with that money. Um, Marcus, do you have one this year? you have, you have a prediction?
2: Yeah, this one's – it's definitely – it's a big one. It's, it's so big it doesn't financially make sense, which definitely means it won't happen. But I want the brothers versus the brothers. Diaz versus Logan. We'll have Nate and uh, Jake and Nick and Logan. I don't know. That just seems like it'd be fun. It, 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 If they could even get those guys all to agree to fight each other, it would be financially irresponsible to do it on just one card because, like, how much more views they'll get on that one card is not enough to where you could split it and kind of double that amount. Um, but I just think it would be a really cool event to have brother versus. Actually, it wouldn't be brother versus brother, but to have, like, one set of brothers versus the other set of brothers. That would be really cool. Um, you know, and. I don't
1: is Nick still under contract? I have no idea. Nick is. Idea. Nate has one fight left. Nate has one. We Nick, know he is. Nick hasn't. looked like he probably shouldn't fight necessarily. if he's I mean, when Dana White said, When Dana White said I don't think Nick should fight because it looks like he doesn't like to do this. Sounds it like was you most, it was the mo of course he's not gonna do that. <laughs> he's not gonna do that. <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't that reason of all. Um uh my prediction is Around November of next year, John Jones, Francis Ngannou, Madison Square Garden.
2: Hmm. You think Ngannou will still be around?
1: <laughs> well, that's basically what I'm saying. That's why goals <laughs> I was going to traditions... say Conor McGregor knocks out uh, Charles Oliveira, but when I said it out loud, it made me feel bad, so I didn't. So I just I took it back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to take uh, Francis and Jones. In I mean, I'm, I'm, out of the three of us, I feel mine has the best chance of happening. Just saying. Yeah, mine's mine's not. Very, I, don't I don't think Glover's I mean, got. I don't. Th- I don't think the math works out for Glover to get tied unless Glover well, I has think a fight least, in February. At least is not happening.
2: Mike is in the realm of possibility. This guy's the champion. He's gonna potentially if, defend his. If Mike belt, had said,
1: right? if Mike said two, I'd be like, well, Mike's gonna be right. Like that would you be know, he's bold though. That's not bold. I mean, I got John Jones. That's lukewarm at best. I mean, whew. okay. So those are our predictions. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, Marcus, here's hear the news that Fedor said he wants his retirement fight in Bellator to be in Bellator, and he wants to fight Ryan Bader again?
2: Okay, that's not no. the greatest move, no.
1: but someone call Josh Barnett, get his ass yes. to the fucking Bellator. There you let's go. Put it now in San Jose. Thinking. Mark and I will go and cover it. Okay, we'll sit there and not, not ask questions. Well, Mark might ask a question, and We're we'll probably to go the to the card. press
2: conference after. We're going home, Scott. We went, the, we went to the press conference
1: last time. And that was it fun. A waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> um that's it, folks. Next week we're actually gonna make some picks. Um next week I'm the UFC's got a card. It's not the pay per view. Um nope. and uh oh, What's who's the main event? I don't Fuck even it. have an it Oh, front Calvin of me. Cater and Giga Chickez, it's not a bad there fight. You that's not a bad fight at all. The rest of the card, bad. Real bad. Um, I I see this article. Who's the most tested fighters? Most drug tested, most Usada tested fighters in two thousand twenty one. Who? Someone beat T.J. Dillashaw. (laughs) I think your game would be just up T.J. Dillashaw's ass. I mean, pretty close. He only fought once, twice. I don't know. He got. He took twenty five. He got twenty five Usada tests (laughs) in one year. Um, that guy who tried to smuggle the bag. Remember that guy who tried to smuggle the bag into the fighter hotel? Yeah.
2: yeah. He got 26. That makes, that makes
1: sense. Number one, my man with an eight-pack, Misha Surkinov, 27 drug tests. Jesus. Woo! What kind of a regular-ass test did Misha Surkinov have? So he's he counting his COVID get... test and shit. Yeah, Jesus. That is so many drug tests. They're testing these guys more than twice a month. Woo. Paulo Costa, 23. A, a lot of these that's people. A, that's a
0: bit too now Paula Course, I can see why. I mean that dude that dude looks super juicy.
1: Misha Tate got drug tested 24 times. Jesus. I That's mean when lot. she
0: came when she came back. Because well, she's in super Vegas. Abs,
2: like,
1: it was come sh- on. It's Vegas. It's a sh- they just call her.
2: <laughs> Misha. <laughs> come here. I think someone <laughs> testing the doing the test has had a crush on Misha like, before you come down
1: <laughs> Beat a cup for me. Um all right. Um let's do stuff we like and call it a day. Um I watched uh Cobra Kai. Did you guys all watch Cobra Kai at all? I'm two episodes in now. Yes. How much I
0: ben I binge watched the whole thing this weekend.
1: Okay. I watched like I think it's six I've watched now, six or seven. Um It's alright. I think honestly, it's just more of the same and We're on season four, and there's been no character development (laughs) for anybody. No one has learned a fucking thing. (laughs) Mike's thinking about it right now, and he's like, yeah, no one's learned a fucking thing. And I don't know if they're Uh, trying to make Ralph Macchio's daughter the most loathsome person on the show, but she is. She's easily the worst, okay? She is the fucking worst.
0: (laughs) I found myself rooting this. So uh, I watched... I, I binge watched this whole season um with our friend Sal Phil and a bunch of other people this weekend. Uh. So it was also fun because it was like uh it was a group thing where you know we you were all just all yes. <laughs> okay. Um and I found myself rooting for the Cobra Kai kids um by like the second episode. <laughs> and uh our friend Sal's wife, Jennifer. Um, She looked at me with a look of disdain and disgust when I was openly rooting for Tori. And I told her, look, all of these kids are horrible. But at least the Culver Kai kids are honest and upfront about how big dicks they are. Okay? Yeah. I can get behind that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was rooting for Tori also. I'm like, yo, again, LaRusso's daughter is the fucking worst person on this show. <laughs> she's worse than crease okay (laughs) i do like how they just kind of freak these characters from like the other karate kid movies that nobody liked like let's be honest if you look at like box office and people's general enjoyment after karate kid one it's fucking nosedived you know like i i've seen the one with terry silver once i think i've seen the one where he goes to japan yeah maybe i've seen the one where he's gone to japan at least twice i know that um the first one, everybody's seen about 10 times. has been on TBS that many times, just running into it. Um, are they just trying to drag this out to get Hillary Swank on the show? Is that the end game here?
0: Well, I don't think so. As as I mentioned over the weekend uh, to someone who, who made that same joke, yo, man, Hillary Swank is an Oscar award winner. Okay? None of those movies
1: made any money. <laughs> she could use a check. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I still feel she's way too above this shit. Okay.
1: I thought Elizabeth Shue was above this shit, but she showed up.
0: <laughs> I mean, Elizabeth Shue was in uh, Hollow Man. You know, that's a that's a seminal horror movie. That's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the show's fine. It's it's like I'm 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 still laughing. I mean, it's Mike. They can call it a day whenever they want, right? Let's be honest.
0: Let's just um, we, can,
1: we can wrap this up whenever they want. <laughs> they
0: could have they, they could have called it a day after this season. Uh-huh. And I remember by like the second or last episode, or third or last episode, um, I thought this is it, right? This is it, right? Really hoping this was it. And then I read online, no, it's, it's not it. Oh, we're we're doing this again. Okay, yeah. And I'm ha-
1: apparently they've already filmed the fifth season. Why don't they do my idea? Your my idea, where? It's gonna happen. A fucking Brazilian kid comes to this. That's when they got it to run out of ideas. That's when they bring the kid from Brazil, the exchange student. There's goes no tie-in, to...
2: Bob. Every, every season now is like, who are we tying in from the last... From one of the movies? Mark, there's no of, There's
1: Jesus no more movies. I'm ideas. just telling you. Yeah. You bring the kid Look. from Brazil. They have the stupid fuck with the mohawk. Okay? Um. No spoilers. The kid the mohawk. Try to fuck with him. And he hits him with a flying arm bar. And then, like, he just goes to these fucking dojos. It just works, like... He works these kids with their bullshit karate, okay? <laughs> he taps them all out. <laughs> you know, maybe we get a Machida also, fucking I, I, I a thought, special appearance about, like, you could do Jiu-Jitsu also, I, and karate. I thought of a
0: better name. I thought of a better name for this guy. So rather than him being, like, a full Brazilian, he's, like, half American, right? Uh-huh. So he doesn't have a name that starts with an R, right? Um, and keeping with the theme of alliteration... um, you know karate kid, right? Jiu Jitsu Joe.
1: Okay. Well <laughs> now it's ridiculous.
2: <laughs> I just want to say I'm only two episodes in, so I'm not super far, but I agree, like the the character arcs have definitely, yeah, stagnated for sure. But I will stay like I will say like the show still like is entertaining. Like every scene is watchable. Yeah. Like every scene is like something interesting is happening or being said or something like we, we talked about some of the Marvel shows, like the old Netflix stuff. Like there is uh, and I've, we'll get to it when I talk about like Witcher and stuff and stuff, the stuff I've watched, like every scene I'm interested in what's happening and what the conversation is. And I think that's, there's something there. I mean, it is they they very much built it
1: well for the stream, the streaming binging generation. there was something they did. If they found a way, to keep you on the show,
2: yeah. but I mean, yeah, I've just I've seen a lot of shows where it's like, okay, certain aspects of the show, certain characters I'm interested in, and when their scenes happening, I'm watching the TV and not looking at my phone. Um, in karate Kid, every time I watch it, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fully engaged. Every scene, whatever character we go to, whether you like them or not, like the writing is just of a level that keeps me engaged. and and that's not easy to do. So I definitely give it props there. I will say, like, yeah, it's kind of aggravating is like, Jesus Christ, like, there's been four seasons, you two idiots still can't, like, get along and learn how to teach kids together, it's like, it's kind of like, it is, like, numbskull where you're just thinking, like, why doesn't this work, but, like, I'm still enjoying it, so, yeah, it is It is a weird show, it's hard to recommend, because you can, wouldn't blame anyone for bouncing off, but I've definitely enjoyed watching it, and even though, like, yeah, I have criticisms, but, like, I'm just engaged, so, Yeah, yeah
1: it's just fine, it's there, it keeps me going, but. Um, my other thing I watched was um the third season of American Crime Story. I watched the first five episodes because they pulled the other five episodes from on demand of impeachment. Um uh, Mike, have you watched this?
0: Is this the one with Bill Clinton?
1: Yeah. I've started too, but I lost interest. Bro, I did not need five episodes of the Linda Tripp Monica thing. I know I know like a part of me is just like, okay, let's Let's get this fucking show on the road. Like, Monica Lewinsky flashing her panties at the president. Sure. Cool. Right on. But, like, this is... I don't know. I understand why it is not rated as high. I didn't watch the Versace season, which people seem to really enjoy. Actually, it got really good reviews. This one, not so much. I do think that um, Sarah Paulson's an incredible actress. And if her job was to me to still continue to dislike Linda Tripp, good job. Um... And Beanie Feldstein, um, who's playing Monica Lewinsky, um, thought she did a good job. Though I, I know that also Monica Lewinsky was involved with the show, so there's that. Um, but it was. It, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm kind of annoyed the second half of it isn't on any on-demand services, so I gotta obviously rent those five episodes and not go to Spanish Netflix. Um, so. Yeah, it's. I like. I don't know what the next season's about. Do you have they announced what the next season of American Crime Story is going to be about? Mm, I
0: don't know. I don't think they have.
1: Did you, Mark? Did you watch any of these things so far, American Crime Story? Any of the seasons? No. Okay. Negative. Fourth season is going to be about Studio Fifty Four. Lot of blow. That one probably. A Lot of blow. Um, I don't know. I think that they pretty much just let Ryan. What's his name? Is this what? Um, Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy gets to do whatever he wants on FX, right? Pretty much. He, they just say Sarah Paulson's in it and he just fucking does let's go. Let's That channel is just going to be Ryan Murphy and whatever Gambino wants to put out in Atlanta, right? Anyway. I and mean, that's, that's pretty much I,
0: all of, that's pretty much all of FX is at this point.
1: Yeah. Um that's it. That's what I watched. Uh Not if I had to pick which one of those to watch out of the two, I guess Cobra Kai, if you made it this far, keep watching. Nothing about it is maybe you want to stop watching, necessarily, but I'm just like let's let's advance this a little bit, people. But Anyway, Mark, what do you got this week?
2: Yeah, I got quite a bit. Um, Netflix, there's been quite a bit of shows. Uh, like I said, I haven't watched a lot of Cobra Kai, but the other shows that I have watched I've really enjoyed. Um, Queer Eye had, I don't even know what fucking season they're on, like season 8 or something, kind of sprung up out of nowhere. I know they were filming before covid and then they had started filming back and i try to keep my finger on the pulse of when it was coming back and i just looked on netflix i was like oh shit season dropped fuck yeah um me and christine have started watching season two of witcher and that is the show like i was mentioning earlier i'm a little stagnated like i like when it's about uh, geralt of Rivera in his storyline and then some of like the bigger story arcs with like these warring nations, I definitely kind of just like zone out. and It just doesn't keep my interest as much. Um, God, what else outside of those two? Um, we did a uh, Christine. I kind of snuck out to watch Cobra Kai, but we watched, I watched like probably more than half of that, uh, Harry Potter anniversary reunion show. And that was pretty fun. As someone that's not, I mean, I watched all the Harry Potter movies like a couple of times and I enjoy them, but I'm not like a super fan. That special was just shot really well. and was. Did they?
1: Uh, they talk about the author? Or they try to tiptoe around the author. If she brought yeah, I did not
2: notice it as much, but I guess Christine mentioned that. Like the few times they had like little snippets of interviews from her, they had a date, <laughs> so it was like 2018 or something. So I was like, oh, it's before we knew what and, we
0: know now. And they made sure because like all of the scenes where like J.K. Rowling is talking, um, is from the same interview. Mm-hmm. And they made it a point anytime they showed those clips of her talking like they emblazoned on the top right filmed in 2019 Like interview yeah. from 2019. I, and I, it's like I, yo, 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 like basically saying yo, we did not talk to this girl Don't bring her up. We ain't bring her to the crib.
1: All right. We're she didn't get a new check. Some probably she probably uh, had to check, so yeah. So they, I have mean, a whole yeah. Show, they have a whole fucking show now, just a trivia show about Harry Potter. Have you seen that thing? I think we saw it
2: uh, like advertised. I didn't know what it was. There, was there's, like, there's constant commercials
1: reading. for it during. Mm. Um, it's on. Well, it's a Turner property, HBO, and all that, but it's on TNT, I think, or something. Because whenever I watch Dynamite or Rampage, there's mm. Helen Mirren hosting a fucking Harry Potter trivia right. show, and I'm like, <laughs> Helen Mirren fallen this far? What the fuck is she doing hosting a trivia show? But Anyway, I think I think they gave her a bag
0: to host that shit. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. So
2: the last thing I want to mention, me and Christine did watch uh, Nightmare Alley, which is uh, Del Toro's newest film. Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, Ron Perlman, Kate Blanchett. Uh, We actually watched it last night and I really enjoyed it. Um, I guess it's getting like Oscar buzz um, and I could see why it was a really I mean, basically, I guess it was based off a book and it's basically just following uh I can't no, I just said his name and I totally forgot like uh, Bradley Cooper's character like he becomes a carney and kind of what he goes through and it was a really enjoyable film you know it's not really like Del Toro's other films where I think like there's a lot of I don't know, really interesting like visual kind of like freaks and stuff like a Hellboy or Pan's Labyrinth or something where there's lots of like weird grotesque creatures. I mean, there is definitely some of that because it is in a carnival and there's like some freaks and stuff. But it is a really just engaging movie about this character's kind of rise and fall. Um, And I really enjoyed it. Uh, We saw it a lot, but you get food and that was cool. What kind of sucked, though, is like the lot has been very like proactive with like COVID stuff. You have to show it's like one well, of the only places that actually gives a shit, like show your vaccination and stuff. But then when I got my fucking drink, they didn't have a straw that was wrapped. And I know this is like, some people are going to be like, Jesus Christ, like, you know, it, uh, coastal elites here. But I was like, how do you give me this straw with your bare hands? And no, then no, no. <laughs> Mark,
0: I'm right there with you. Like, if you're gonna go through all this other bullshit, then it's like, yo, how are you, how are you just gonna be raw dogging my like, straw like that?
2: This is like a fancy like, yeah, I probably spent like eight dollars on a coke. It's like, you know, wrap this shit up, please. I still and that for a second, I was like, am I gonna pop this open and drink it like a caveman straight to the mouth? And I was like, no, I'll use your dirty hand infested straw, but I knew better. I knew I shouldn't have done that, but uh yeah, that's what I got this week,
1: okay, Mike.
0: Um, I honestly don't have uh, too much. Um, I have one of my patented lavender gooms, uh, work in progress incomplete likes where I, mean, I gave friend, you two
1: shows. I'm not sure I liked it all, buddy. I can't even judge you this week.
0: So <laughs> our, uh, our, our friend Sal all weekend kept talking about this show called Yellowstone that has a uh, Kevin Costner in it. I keep hearing about that one. Sh- folks,
1: One second, folks, you were waiting for it. Finally, one of us is going to talk about Yellowstone, all the buzz that white people have for this show. You think one of us was going to break through. I don't know who had their money on Mike, but here you go.
0: (laughs) Well, I started watching it last night before I went to bed. Um, I watched about 45 minutes of it. You know, it's cool. You know, it's, it's a bunch of fucking white cowboys from Montana, like Kevin Costner's rich and One of the white boy's sons is banging a Native American. As you can probably tell, I fell asleep while watching this show, so I'm not entirely sure on the plot. But from what I remember before I drifted off into sweet, sweet sleep, it was enjoyable.
1: People love that show. A lot of people talk about it.
0: Yeah, so I wouldn't shut up about it this weekend. Hence why I started watching. It's like, well, what's wrong? If you won't stop yapping about it, I might as well give. Yeah, it he a was chance. asking
1: me about uh, if I had Paramount Network or Paramount Plus, and I'm just like, no, no, I don't. I'm not getting Paramount Plus until the Fraser Show comes out. Okay, I'm gonna binge watch the <laughs> Fraser Show and then cancel Paramount Plus immediately if I can knock this out during the free trial, ideally.
0: So yeah, that's it. So uh, that's that's about it. Um, yeah, that's all I got.
1: And, uh, real quick, shout out to the tribal chief out here battling COVID, Roman Reigns. Um, hopefully he's doing well. And unfortunately, him getting COVID somehow resulted in Big E losing his championship to Brock Lesnar. Poor Big E kept losing matches as champion. Way to go. Way to go, WWE. Anyway, um, you know,
0: it's got to be cool for, uh, you know, Biggie on the uh, career accomplishments thing, You can say he uh, he wrestled a legend such as uh, Brock Lesnar.
1: Man, I really thought Kevin Owens signing that new contract at least said he was going to get a title at the end of it. Gonna pay this man two or three million dollars a year, at least give him the title. Just saying, if they pay him that much and he's on the WrestleMania card, how wild would that be? Just saying, how wild, I mean, see it coming too. I don't think he, I don't think he care. He's getting his money. Signed a short-term deal, too. He can go see his friends in three years. It's a good call. Um, All right. um, That's it uh, for us this week. Um, Be back next week where we're going to preview, I guess, this Giga Chikadze versus Calvin Cater fight. Probably not the rest of the card, if we're being honest. Um, This really would have been a good time for Bellator to do literally anything, folks. Literally anything. Any fight at all. This would have been a good week to do it. Hopefully this YouTube kid dunks on Dana White some more. Um, Until that time, I was Dr. Law. It was DJ Mark. That was Lavender Gooms. We want to thank you again for listening to this show. Hope you had a great new year. Let's hope 2022 is better than 2021. And for the fucking 20% of you who have COVID probably right now, I hope you feel better. Because goddamn, the homey omi is running wild right now, folks. Peace out. See ya. Goodbye.